Okay, hello everyone. My name is Alejandra and I am the founder of SAVE. Today, our podcast topic is going to be Black Lives Matter. And I am here joined by members of SAVE, Zachary and Joanne. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? Hello, my name is Zach. And I'm in SAFE with my very good friend, Alejandra. I love to talk about politics in a way that encourages peaceful dialogue and can bring about good uh, talking points. Yeah. My name is Joanne. I'm a sophomore. Um, I was in SAFE's last podcast, and today I'm excited to talk about the very topic we're going to be talking about. Um, so kind of just, we've already previously had a safe meeting on Black Lives Matter and we did get to see different perspectives, but I'm just wondering kind of like, as we've seen it progress, kind of just like not, like we've seen it this year, really like peak at its point with everything going on. But like this has been something that's been reoccurring within like the history of America in general. So I was just wondering, is there kind of like anything you guys wanted to bring up or anything you guys wanted to mention to start us off? Well, I'm going to be honest. I came into this podcast thinking like, oh, I know I I'm just going to say it straight up. I pretty much support police in a lot of things because I believe their their job is very hard and I, I absolutely support good policing. But the events that took place in the Capitol riot, I I absolutely cannot defend anything about that. That was just absolutely ridiculous and i i this probably has nothing to do with blm but i just want to say i cannot defend police there whatsoever because that was i was under the impression that they're supposed to shoot on site anybody who enters a federal building like that so i don't know how they all weren't mowed down but i guess that's just the state of our country yeah, I think with Black Lives Matter, I mean, of course, we all know there were like certain points in time where it was like so controversial, like, wait, don't all lives matter? Wait, what about blue lives matter? And just so many different things going on. But then when 2020 happened, we saw what happened with George Floyd and we just saw and then we experienced this sort of awakening of what BLM is truly about. And of course, that brought into discussion the whole concept of defunding the police and police reforms and you know, really bringing actual legislation to Congress and seeing the, seeing as the 117th Congress will be the most probably most diverse Congress we've ever seen in history. Um, but yeah, as Zach was saying, Wednesday's events, I'm going to be honest with you, like when I heard it, because my stepfather was listening to when I heard it, I was in shock. I was like, there's no way, there's no way, absolutely no way. And then I think everything that needed to be said has already been said. It's been exhausted. So I'm just looking forward to this talk. I think, yeah, um, kind of like, I don't remember which one of you guys it was that like mentioned it earlier that like, we thought like this podcast specific, like this topic was gonna go a certain route, kind of like the route we took last time during one of our last meetings, but like kind of just like with the events that happened and it's um, like, it's necessarily the turns you can take now are kind of just like different like there are so many and there's such a large variety and I think that um I don't know kind of like how you mentioned it Joanne like you couldn't believe what was going on I couldn't believe it either I was like this is there was like just it was a large shock and it, it kind of I don't know it's also kind of hard to remember that this is like the first week of January 
like this is how we're starting off 2021. I mean, yeah, I enjoy looking at things from like different perspectives. So I was watching the Washington Post cover it. I was watching, like, I was listening to Legal Eagle on YouTube. I'm listening to his like legal analysis of it. And I think yesterday I kind of just had that sort of like breakdown moment of what that actually meant in my eyes. Like I felt like it was a sort of mockery of 9-11 a mockery in the sense that we remember, we all know the events of 9-11. We all understand that there was a plane that was headed towards the US Capitol, but the people on that plane decided that protecting the people in the Capitol, protecting just our government in general was so important that they were willing to risk their lives, to sacrifice their lives actually for that. And so to see what happened at the Capitol was just a complete mockery. And I think just also listen to Colin Powell talk about it. And I think bringing into discussion, what does BLM have to do with this? I think that's what the center of this talk may even be focused on. What does BLM have to do with what happened on Wednesday? That was an absolutely magnificent comparison. The uh, flight, I don't remember the flight number, but the flight that crashed into the ground because the passengers fought back to protect the Capitol. And 20 years later, we see people attacking the Capitol because an election resulted in a way that they didn't like. It's what happened in 20 years. Yeah, 20 years is a long time, but there are people who remember 9-11 like it was yesterday. And it feels like the blink of an eye that all of a sudden our country is going into chaos. So. We really need to get to the root to understand why is everyone so upset? Why is BLM rioting? Why are people defending bad police? Why are people so unaccepting of good police? Why do we have such vastly different ideas when we could all agree that violence is a bad thing? Yeah, I think that really does bring into concept, like let's think about what happened in the summer of 2020 when we think about um, Lafayette Square and the photo op that President Donald Trump took and the ways in which he used, you know, force in order to disperse the peaceful crowd in order to take a picture holding the Bible. And then listening to the national debate that took place, I think, in October when he said on live national television that Black Lives Matter is dangerous. And then coming to today, thinking about, okay, Wednesday happened, Twitter happened, right? um, I guess Twitter has decided to officially permanently suspend his account. And now we're we're looking at the app called Parlay, where you have a lot of extremists coming together and talking about what's the next plan. And you're thinking about, wow, this was said about BLM, but now we're looking at a whole nother level of ex- extremists. And we're thinking about, well, okay, when B- BLM was protesting, was calling for change in the summer of 2020, they were asking for something meaningful. They were asking for police reform to see change within policing, excessive force, brutality, just, just opening that spotlight and being vulnerable and then seeing how you know domestic terrorists can just enter the capital 
and put our government at risk. And many of them, you see like footage being played of police officers actually directing them towards the Capitol, police officers taking selfies with them. And so opens up that discussion that why are why is it that when white supremacists are, you know, doing something terrible, it's called protesting, but when BLM is asking for reform and change, it's called rioting. When most of the when most of the protests was actually mainly peaceful and not actually of riots last year. I do want to go back to your point on uh, BLM calling for police reform. Absolutely, we can, I think the majority of the country can now agree, holy crap, the police need reform. Like that wasn't even the police who let, that was the secret service. That was supposed to be the govern, the top, top authorities. And they let us down. So absolutely, we need police reform. However, I think the people who are calling for police reform, I'm just going to say in black and white terms so that we can understand, the Democrats and Republicans, the Democrats are calling for police reform, defunding, abandonment. There's There's three different sects as to what they're calling for. There's a bunch of people calling for just no police, which is obviously radical. There's people calling for defunding the police. And then there's people calling for reforming the police. And those are three very different things. And in order to get any of that done, the, the Democrats have to come together to agree to one point. They can't all project their ideas and expect them all to work out because that's not how it works. They have to come together behind one idea. And I went to the BLM website a few days ago to check out what they have to say. And they call for defunding the police and passing the Breathe Act in Congress. And I looked up what the Breathe Act was and the Breathe Act calls for abandoning police. Now that's just the quote that I dug straight from the Breathe Act. I don't know if that means get rid of police in areas, but that's kind of what it sounds like. And these ideas just seem a little too radical to me because if you want to reform police, if we all agree that police need better training, they need better screening as to who can become a police officer, we need better, we just need to train police better, then why are we defunding them? Shouldn't they get more money so we, they can properly train their people so that they can properly screen people? And I know that a lot of that comes down to, well, if we're giving them a bunch of money, then they must be getting military grade equipment. And that's not right. That's true. There is a law that says military equipment cannot be used against the civilian population. And in, in terms of that, I totally agree. They should not be given military grade equipment. But the idea that defunding them will solve the problem of them overusing their force is totally ignoring the fact that we need to give them more money or maybe divert their money away from their equipment in order to give them better training. That's how we solve these issues because it comes down to the individual person. It doesn't come down to the collective. It comes down to the individual person that needs better training. Yeah, I think when it comes to the topic of defunding the police, I, I'm gonna be really honest. I don't really have a complete stance. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of observing both sides, trying to take in both perspectives. 
And I, I understand, you know, the Blue Lives Matter and of course, a little bit contradictory there when Wednesday happened, right? Because we did, an officer was killed, right? Um, I think looking at both perspectives, like, okay, what happened on Wednesday? Like, I don't know, I don't know. I don't really know how economics and politics and taxpayer dollars work, but in my mind, I'm thinking, do taxpayer, aren't taxpayers the ones paying the salaries of these Capitol Police officers to protect federal property? And looking at some of the videos that are circulating, I'm like, oh, wow. So you're telling me my mother, who's like, you know, right, single mother, um, yeah, my mother, right, who's working um, like a job that's like minimum wage is paying for, you know, these police officers to protect, you know, federal property and not see what happened on Wednesday, you know, desecration of the U.S. Capitol. We hear blood was spilled on a statue, um, things were stolen, uh, windows were broken and seeing, you know, oh my gosh, is this how police are responding to an, an actual domestic terrorist threat? And then you think about what happened last year when Democrats proposed legislation to hold police accountable for their actions and then that getting turned down in the Senate. Um, but I think you're right on the point that Democrats need to get together and decide, hey, you know, what's the plan moving forward? Because of course, yeah, now the 107th Congress is predicted to have, or, or will have a democratic majority, but we know we have progressive Democrats, we have moderate Democrats. It's a mix, so it's gonna, it's gonna be hard. It's going to be hard passing legislation that is uniform and doesn't stir more division within the party. You know, there is already division. So I think when we talk about defunding the police, some people may view the perspective that if we hit where it may hurt the most, that may be an incentive to have better police training. And then the public may gain more confidence in police conduct and the way police handle, you know, the way they interact with civilians. We were talking about Jacob Blake, we're talking, and also bringing the, the um, conversation of um, immunity, how herd immunity, I, I, not, not herd immunity, sorry. Um, What's it called again? I forgot. Are, are you talking about coronavirus? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no. What's it called when police qualified immunity, Joanne? Yeah, qualified immunity. I'm sorry. Oh, the police entire presentation on this, Joanne. Come on, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. So bringing in that into play, like, how does qualified immunity come into play with this? So I think people may view the perspective that oh, in defunding the police that may be an incentive for them to be better, to, to do better. Because if technically, I mean, we're not really holding our police accountable for some, for, for things that happen like on the job, you know, we're kind of giving them qualified immunity. And so it's like, hey, we're giving you this. And so people may view in defunding you, this is your incentive to do better until you have regained our trust. Of course, you know, people on the other aisle may say, no, it's not economically, that's not, you know, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't understand economics that well, I'm not there yet, but you know, I think the other aisle may bring some good points and Zach, you have some good points, you know, like in putting more money, we could be, it could potentially, you know, lead to more training. I think the, wasn't there like, wasn't there this thing saying about like how barbers have more training hours than police officers like that's a real concern like we're trusting police officers with guns and tasers and 
you you know what you know what I mean so to oh see, absolutely yeah a barber cut dye your hair you know they're being there there's more training for them as opposed to people who should have the duty to protect us I mean honestly I saw that just on an Instagram post so I'm not entirely sure how reliable that is but I wouldn't find it hard to believe yeah um Prince EA on YouTube he had like a whole video on that so yeah that I think it just comes down to it's it's just the radicalization honestly like the people on the on the left are totally anti-police and the people on the right are totally all for police and you'll see that with every topic talk about guns the democrats are totally let's ban all guns and the right is totally everyone should have a gun when they're 18 and when you talk about abortion people on the left all abortion should be legal up to birth and then people on the right will say no abortion should be legal there's never any middle ground that gets that gets heard in all of this screaming and yelling and rioting and fussing and there needs to be a middle ground every it, this comes down to not who we elect in office this doesn't come down to politicians being better this comes down to us being better as citizens we have to understand that we must find a middle ground if we're going to get anything done so are you asking for better bipartisanship or is it i'm asking for better bipartisanship and <laughs> congress has a, a, an approval rating that's in the teens uh like percentage wise it, it's it's absurd congress sucks and you i remember you said that there was a bill that was passed by the, that was um introduced by the democrats to hold police accountable and it was struck down i don't doubt that it was struck down because there's probably a lot of pork in that bill and this is what happens in every bill they add pork which is basically stuff that has that's in the bill that has nothing to do with why the bill was originated and there could be a, a bill to hold police accountable and then they'll put in the bill amnesty for 30 million un undocumented or however many undocumented americans and we'll be like hold on wait that's not at all what we're talking about i'm not going to pass this why is that in there and it, i'm not saying it's only the democrats that do that republicans do it absolutely every all sides do it in my opinion that comes down to term limits because you have to have if the only thing you're thinking about is how to get reelected, then you're not going to think about actually doing good for the country. I think along with that, um, I, I can't really like say we need to talk about like politicians, stuff, but we like we just the the people that um, are elected, I guess, by the people need to focus on not being politicians, but being political leaders and like taking America and like actually leading them somewhere towards the future and kind of just like to where we should be headed as a country. Like I think with the Georgia Senate races and like how close they were, they set like a cost record for twenty um for 2021. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday. I think it was Vice, but I didn't get like time to fact check it or anything, where apparently like the Senate races cost around the same price that like Trump's 2016 race did. And it's kind of just like all that money could have been like, I guess, used to like help the people and kind of like, I guess, kind of just like better establish things. And I don't know, I just, I thought that was an interesting topic, especially kind of like where we are as a country right now. And like all this money where like people are losing their jobs, people being affected by the pandemic. Like there was so many, like, I'm not sure if I'm making sense right now, but like, 
kind of just like the distribution and kind of like where the pr priorities stand with like the politicians. Yeah, absolutely. Priorities standing in a very bad place with politicians because that's the only thing they think about is how to get reelected. Yeah. But I think it's also like what you said, Zach, um, how we need to do better as civilians, how like some of us may be prioritizing party over country. We think about more about what our party wants, what our party is about over what the country needs. I think I was like having a, having a conversation with someone and then they were telling me sometimes the country needs X party, sometimes the country might need Y party in order to like really see some things done. Because we know on both sides, both of the parties are not perfect. They both have their history. They, they both have, you know, some things going on in the background that we may not know about. Just how you said with some bills, I think an analogous to that, I can say, wasn't it the Defense Act? And it was, wait, it was like a spending bill for like the army or something. And then the COVID bill was added to that. And the president didn't want to sign on to that because it was a section about big tech companies. And so talking about the extra stuff, maybe not, maybe, I don't know if it's like extra stuff, but you know, um, just some extra things that the other chamber disagrees on and it just does not pass through. So you may have a point with that, you know? My favorite, I'm a Republican. I, I don't know anymore. I know I am probably, but I just don't like what my party's come to. But and my favorite quote ever is by Barack Obama. Democrat president. And he said, you're an American before you're a Democrat or Republican. And we really need that. We need that in people's mindsets more now than ever because of the, po of the polarity in this country. And BLM is... I, I, when I was on their website, I looked over a lot of cases that they've reviewed and 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 stood up stood up for and there's a lot of fantastic cases where police were unfairly calling some guy suspicious just because he's walking home a 17 year old kid just walking home to like a party and he got shot by this private police officer and there's a lot of cases that blm stands for that are very good but at the end of the day we have to recognize blm is an organization and just like any organization they will do whatever gets them publicity and money. And that's just another way we have to look out for, hey, maybe not everything that they're doing is in our best interests. Maybe we have to look out for ourselves and not just follow blindly whatever party or organization we call ourselves to. I think that also brings up the issue of maybe, I don't know, what do you, wait, what are your thoughts on single issue voters? Because I think some of the things that like okay okay from like my perspective i know like i'm catholic and i know a lot of um other fellow catholics um maybe single issue voters in a sense that one issue concerns them more than anything else and that may you know influence them to vote a certain way even though you see party over country kind of like in that direction like what are your thoughts on that I, that that's an individual level. It depends on how important that is to that person. Because if it truly is the thing that they care about the most, then yeah, absolutely. That's vote your heart out. But if they're just doing it because some politician in their party is saying, this is what will destroy America. Do you actually believe that? Or are you just voting that way? Because that's what someone in your party said. 
man i think i think now i mean it's still like i'm i'm on twitter more than usual because of everything that's happening but i think especially when we talk about blm and um just so many cases going on and talking about what the doj is deciding on some of these like big cases i think the doj just made a decision on the tamir rice case and not charging i'm not sure it was in relation to tamir tamir rice so i think um what happened on Wednesday, even though more of our focus is towards the fact that it actually happened, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. the national security failure and Biden reaffirming to the country that he is not afraid of, you know, his inauguration day, he's not afraid at all. I think um, we're still at that point where we're just like, okay, what happened at, Laf at Lafayette, Lafayette Square in the summer of 2020? And what did we just allow to happen in January of 2021 and comparing those two situations and like, okay, we're at this point where we're not in good standing. Other nations, they're not, they're not proud of us. They're probably looking down upon us. Like, okay, what we just did in, Jan in the summer of 2020, that was like, that was an awakening. That was a call to actually, you know, vulnerability, being honest about the state of this country. And then January just exploding in everyone's faces. We have totally embarrassed ourselves in the international community. Trump, I, I expect Republican presidents to be more strong on foreign policy than Democrat presidents, just as a Republican. But he totally ruined our alliances and friendships with, with allies and nations across the world. And it's just, why? Why is your ego that important to you? That you have to do that. That has nothing to do with BLM. I don't know why I'm even talking about that, but <laughs> it, has, it has to do with what you said. Oh, by the way, um, Alejandra, I noticed you just uh, followed me on Twitter. Are you sure you're totally focused on what we're doing right now, or do you okay. have some? <laughs> so okay, um, I it's because both of you guys mentioned Twitter, and I was like, you can find out a, a lot about kind of just like people and just like <laughs> do it all so i was like i wonder kind of like and i know both of you guys you guys are very like political kind of just like on your social medias and stuff so i was like hmm i wonder if like they've said anything before kind of just like diving <laughs> i mean it brings up an important topic because like um the fbi is using i'm not gonna i'm pretty sure they're using twitter to find these people like i'm on the daily show like you know the trevor noah like twitter page and like all of his memes and all that with all that and I'm literally looking they're like oh you guys can't find this guy and then I'm looking through the, the comments and they literally found the person they're like they found the guy wearing the horn thing you know what I mean yeah yeah that was awesome <laughs> also found wait it was a different person that like stole the like podium thing right yeah they I, mean, yeah. I found out on Twitter like a few minutes ago that they found out who it was and that person surprisingly is from our state what surprisingly are you kidding me you know was, the number of florida man memes there are that was sarcastic okay and okay i also found out on twitter that like there were buses of people that like met up to like um go to the white house like to the capitol and like like they had buses and everything and it was like over 100 people from like our city heading there because they wanted to riot too and yes. one, I, and then one of them, only one, I think, out of a hundred, got arrested. 
Well, here that's that comes down to law because yeah. the law states that if there's a riot or, a, or if there's a riot, it's obviously going to be um. impossible. So what they want to do is they want to arrest like the leaders. They want to arrest the people who are sparking the violence, and that will hopefully stop the others from trying to join in. And in terms of Twitter, I think even though Twitter can be very, very useful, we also like, like I think, I think I was watching a newscast today and they were saying that um, on Twitter, there was this video circulating around about, um, I don't want to go into the video, but long story short, critics of the president also have to be fact checking themselves and making sure that they're not part of the misinformation because that could stir even more anger and even more hate if misinformation, especially from critics of the president, is not accurate. Like we have like, or whatever aisle you're on, you have to like strive for accuracy because this is, I'm not, you know, we all know Twitter and big, we all know, we all, we don't really need to go there, right? But at the same time, we have to be spreading accurate information from both sides of the aisle because we all know that that conversation has been exhausted. Yeah, I, I have a question um that i want to ask so obviously our topic today is supposed to be blm and we've bounced around a little bit but just to you know kind of ring us back in what do you think is the current what do you think is the biggest threat facing the african-american community in america Hmm. do you think there is one well there certainly is (laughs) yeah oh man i think as a minority in this country, standing at like what, 12%, 13%? Oh, that's a really, it's a really open-ended question. I'm sorry. I think right. when we talk about just systemic racism in general, I mean, you have, I think, wasn't in the summer of 2020, you have former um, FBI directors talking about how white supremacy is a national threat, how we see oppression of minorities, how especially on TikTok, you look at TikTok, you, see, you hear so many stories about how Black people are oppressed and how it's just normalized, whether that be in healthcare, whether that be the obvious policing, um, whether that be in the education system, criminal justice system, you just, you see it all around. And I think this country has gotten to a point where it's, it's normal. Like, yeah, that's normal. It's normal to oppress BIPOC. You know, it, it's, not, it's not something new. We've been doing it for generations. You know, we, 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 we would like to change, but at the same time, um, we're not always investing our time where it should be invested. You know, we, we know what the issue is. We know the facts. We have evidence. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's been normalized. And I think um, as a minority in this country, it's, 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 a, it's such a deep issue. Like, we've been doing this for years. It's normalized. Um, especially what happened on Wednesday like you, you see so many memes going about about how if if the if this was a BLM protest we we have an idea about how this would have turned out mm-hmm. we hear the misinformation about you know the DC National Guard whether or not they were called and how um the guard um the National Guard from Virginia and Pennsylvania had to be called and, you know so you know so i think that's that's a really big issue i mean it, it's been around for ages we are making progress. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I think people are also exploiting it. At the same, you know, so it's. Yeah, I'm glad you brought yeah. up education, um, because I think 
I'm I'm not a black American, so I can't speak for black Americans, but I think from what I've researched, the biggest threat to the African American community is lack of education opportunities because there are so many you can see it right here in in Naples, Florida, where schools that are majority minority are very poorly funded, whereas schools that are majority white are very highly funded. And is that because of racism? Well, no. It's because of, when you get down to it, it's because of historic racism, redlining, black neighborhoods, white neighborhoods. Those white neighborhoods were already rich. Those black neighborhoods were already poor. They got to work their way up at a disadvantage. And schools are funded from housing taxes. So if if there's a neighborhood, it's just by the neighborhoods with, uh, very high housing and that are worth a lot of money are probably going to be mostly white. And therefore, uh, therefore that those houses are going to come bring in a lot more taxes because they're, they're more highly priced. And therefore the schools in that zone are going to get more money. And in black neighborhoods, because the houses cost less money, they're less valuable. They're not going to bring in as much taxes so the school in that area is going to be less funded. And that surprisingly, well, why don't they just go to the school in the white neighborhood? Because of zoning laws. And the zoning laws saying that you must go to the public school zoned for your area was actually a bill introduced by the Democrats. And it forced people to go to the school that they are zoned for rather than go to the school of their choice. And I'm not entirely sure what the objective of the bill was, but it might have been to kind of diversify schools and that not everyone's trying to go to this one high school or middle school. But at the same time, it undermines our very American freedoms that, hey, we should be able to choose what school we go to. And it upholds this redlining that was supposed supposedly ended more than 50 years ago because, yeah. I mean, I I kind of have an experience with oh, you know what I'm saying, Alejandra? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can say something really quickly. I was just going to, like, wrap it up. Yeah, I think just to end on, like, that point, I think I, I do have a little bit of experience with that. Um, I am from Fort Lauderdale, not from Naples, and the elementary school I went to was in a relatively poor neighborhood, and so there were times where, like, we would hear the PTA talk about more funding for the school, and I mean, again, systemic racism, it covers different sectors of society. Um, we have a long way to go as a United States and a lot of, a lot of things to do to, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Ali. I'm so happy to have done this safe podcast with Zach and you, and I'm so appreciative. Thank you. I am so very glad that I selected both of you for this meeting. I actually, I was thinking of like, hmm, who can I have for this podcast? And I was like, okay, I definitely want Zach and I definitely want Joanne. So I'm kind of like really happy of how this turned out. Um, we did end it off on kind of just like, I guess, a, like uh, we did end it off on a good note because we will have a future podcast talking about schools and how like race and kind of just like the history has like started and diversity in general has like led to kind of just like where we are now. Um, I think it was a good conversation specifically just because we're all on different like places on the political spectrum. And I am hoping that you both will join me Um, for a future podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we can't wait for our next episode.